We've been in this series that is titled Faith Activators. Today's actually part five of this series, and we have preached on faith all year long because we need faith, especially in the day and time that we are living today where we are seeing all kinds of disastrous things, and as it prophesied, Jesus himself prophesied, in the last days there will be roars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and all kinds of stuff. We are seeing the last days happen in society right now. Places where the worth has never shaken is shaken and buildings are collapsing. Do you understand? We are in the midst of a year-long war going on between Russia and Ukraine right now. We are in times, as it's said in the book of, of, of James and as it talks about in Romans, where what is right is being called wrong and what is wrong is being called right and is being tried to put everywhere. Now more than ever, we need to be stirred in our faith to continue to believe. And what is faith? Well, faith is simply this, complete trust in someone or something. That is what faith is, complete trust in someone or something. When I have trust and I put my trust there, that is where there is faith. I give this simple example, this simple analogy, something that we can all relate to. Every single one of you right now sat down and not one of you tested the chair. You had faith that that chair would hold you and you plopped yourself down. You exhibited faith by transferring your weight from your feet to your bottom on the chair. And we exhibit our faith as we put our trust and deposit ourselves into the person of who God is. And we've been talking about things that activate faith. Because we can have dead faith. We can have faith that is just, you know, as you would say, de boca para afuera, right? Just, just a word faith that we say it, but we don't live it. As a matter of fact, James actually talks about dead faith, saying that if your faith does not produce in you to do what is good or what is right, and it calls it works, he says you have a dead faith. Now, let's be very clear. Your works do not save you. You cannot make it to heaven based on works. You will never be good enough to get to heaven. Can I say it a different way? I will never be good enough to get into heaven. But as you transfer your trust to God and you begin to live for God, you begin to do things that please him and you honor him by serving other people. Which is why James says, if you see someone who's hungry, give them a hamburger and then pray for them. He doesn't say give him a hamburger, but you know what I'm talking about. If somebody's cold, give him something. Don't say, Lord, give him your warmth today. No, man, give him a blanket. That is an action to faith. And in the same way, there is also actions in faith of what we are believing God for. And so we've been talking about things that activate our faith. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11. That's been our main text, Hebrews chapter 11. When you've got it, say amen. Who's got a Bible? If you got a Bible, see who's got a Bible. All right, I love, I love having Bibles. Hebrews chapter eleven. It says this in verse number one. 
Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it, people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Faith brings into the seen realm that you can see with the natural from the unseen. It transfers it, right? He continues to say in verse number four, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Verse number five says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And this is verse number six. Look what he tells you there. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. There again, we see the unseen part. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Verse number eight. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out. That section that we just read, it covers the four things that we have talked about till this point, and it's this. Giving is an activator of faith. Walking with God is an activator of faith. Building is an activator of faith. And a key activator is obedience. Those four things, we see it there. Abel was asked by God to give of his first born of his animals. Abraham was asked by God to give his son. And the widow of Zarephath was asked by God to give a cake. All three of them did something. They gave what God said and faith kicked in. Enoch walked so closely with God that even though he's the seventh person from Adam, he prophesied about the Messiah and the Messiah's reign and is quoted in the book of Jude. Noah was warned by God that it was going to rain, although it had never rained on the earth. And he took that and immediately started building a giant boat to the specification of what God had said. And the key in all three of them, and we see in Abraham, was obedience. Many times we don't reach the blessing we're waiting for or the promise that we're believing for for lack of obedience. When we obey, it springs things into motion. Obedience allows us to see the promises that God has for us. And today, I, I want to talk about another activating component of our faith, and is these two things. They go together, and, and I wrote it this way. Living and looking are activators of faith. Living and looking are activators of faith. Now, it, it may sound like, okay, Pastor, what do you mean by living and looking? 
Well, go back to Hebrews 11, where we're reading. It's just talked about Abraham's obedience, right? Verse number eight, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Verse number nine and 10, this is what it says. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham took the promise of God and began to dwell and live in the place that was promised to his offspring. Can I tell you that many of us miss out on God's blessing because we have determined that it wasn't going to be for us, it was going to be for someone else, and so we leave before it got there? We don't decide to dwell and live in the place. We bounce, we jump. We go from place to place. When God said, stay there, Abraham chose, I will dwell, I will live, I will remain here. And then verse number 10 says, for he was, why is he living in it? And that was activating his faith. Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, who designer and builder is God. He chose, I will stay here, I will dwell here, even though I don't own this yet, God is promising it as an inheritance to my children and my children's children. I'm gonna stay here, dwell here, and live here because I see what God said and not what surrounds me at the moment. When you live in the promise of God and you look toward the promise of God, you don't live in the moment of the reality. You're living, bringing from the unseen to the seen, as it says in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith. Now, if we go to Genesis 12, because I want us to break it down, understand it a little deeper, okay? Genesis 12.1, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country to your kindred, and your kindred and your father's house. In other words, go from where you are comfortable. Go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you I will, and whoever dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse number four, so Abram went, right? So we see his obedience, immediate obedience. God said go, he started going. It says that he begins to go out with all of his people. If you fast forward to verse number seven, it says the Lord appeared to Abram when they get there to this place, right? The Lord appears and says to him, to your offspring, I will give this land. And what did he do as a covenant sign that he is accepting and gonna be living in that promise? He builds an altar unto God. He dedicates it. He says, I grabbed this promise. You're actually gonna see, if you continue reading, it says, then from there, he moved to the hill country east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel and the west of I in the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And then he continued journeying, still going towards the Negev. In verse number 10, it says then he goes down to Egypt because there's a famine. He continues moving throughout all these different places. And everywhere he goes to, he dedicates to God and says, God, I'm here because you told me go. I'm living in it. 
I'm staying in the place where you say to go. Actually, if you go to chapter 13, you start reading there, verse number one, that now he leaves Egypt, him, his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negev. He's going back there to where he was, where he had built that first altar. Verse number two, Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, gold, and he journeyed and went on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and I to the place where he had made an altar at first. Abraham continued to go through this land of promise, living in it, dwelling it, because God said, that's what I'm giving you. Church, I need us to understand, and I want you to, if you're taking notes, write this down. We need to live in the promises of God. We need to live in the promises of God. And what do I talk about, or what do I mean when I'm saying we got to live in the promises of God? What has God said about you, who you are, your family, your children, what he's going to do? And are you going to live by what he says, or are you going to go by what you see? We choose to live by what God says. But that is something that activates our faith. And let me tell you, man, it's not easy. It's not easy because... Our eyes tell us and show us everything that's going on, which quite frankly may not be good. And we see it in the natural, and our faith begins to kind of like waver a little bit, right? Think of Peter for a moment. Sees Jesus on the water, says, if it's you, tell me to walk on water. He starts walking towards Jesus, but the minute he takes his eyes off and he begins to look at the circumstance what happened to the faith? It deactivated, right? And he begins sinking. What happens when you and I are saying, wait, hold on. We're going to live in this promise, but we allow the lots of the world to stay near us. Can I tell you what's going to happen? The land can't support you. Watch. If you continue reading right there in chapter 13, the verse that I just finished reading had that in there, and Lot went with him. If you go back to the beginning of chapter 12, God tells Abraham to leave, right? But guess what? Lot went with him too. And as he prospered because God was blessing him, Lot prospered, and chapter 13 tells us that they get to a place where they can't, the land can't sustain both of them. They get to this place where their shepherds are fighting with each other, where everything's happening. And Abram gets to this point where he looks at Lot and he says, all right, bro, sacao, right? Pick a spot. And whichever way you go, I'll go the opposite direction. No hard feelings. So Lot, he stands and he looks with his eyes. And he chooses the land that has 
lakes or rivers, and it says it looks like the gardens of the Lord. He looks and he chooses the cities and the valleys. He looks and he chooses the place of Zoar, close to Sodom and Gomorrah, which later on gets destroyed. He looks and chooses what looks right to the natural and goes that way. And Abram says, awesome, peace out. I'm going the opposite way. And Abram begins to go to the place that was a wilderness, to the place that was not flowing with water, to the place that wasn't necessarily what you would think a farmer would go to. But you know what happens when he immediately leaves from Lot? In verse number 11, it says, Lot chose for himself the Jordan Valley and, he ordered, and, and went to the east. And they separated. Verse 12, Abram settled in the land of Canaan. He chose to live and dwell in this land of Canaan. Verse 14 that says, after Lot separated, the Lord says to Abram, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, west. For all the land you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the land and the breadth, the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent, came and settled in the land of promise by the oaks of Mamre. What did Abraham do? When he knew the promise, he began to live in it. That's the second point. We need to know the promises of God. We need to know the promises of God. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever missed out on a good deal because you didn't read the email in time? Anybody? Have you ever missed a deadline because you didn't notice it? One of my girls gets home the other day and she's like, Dad, I need to log into RenWeb. I got to check because the, the, the teacher was sending the notes and this, that, or the other. And so we log on the computer and we're looking for it and it ain't there. So we send you know, a message through Remind. They use that app called Remind. And I send a, a message. I was like, Miss So-and-so, my daughter said that this and the notes or whatever. And she wrote back. She's like, oh, actually, I put it on the board. She, was, she didn't copy it down? I was like, no. She's like, well, I can send it to her if you want. And I said, it's your call. It's her responsibility to write down what you say in the classroom. If you want to be gracious, you can. I'm not asking you to. She sent her the picture. She was gracious. But she was going to get a zero on an assignment because she didn't see it on the board. Many of us Christians were going to make it to heaven but we're not living the life we're called to because we don't know what God promised. We missed the email. We missed the deadline. We missed the assignment on the board. So you and I, we need to know. And in order to know, we got to obey because when you obey, God gives the promise. When did Abram get the promise? When he obeyed and he got walking to. Then he got the promise. He knew the promise and he decided to then Live there, settle there. Acts chapter 7 recounts the story of Stephen right before he's martyred. He's talking to everybody. And verse number 5, Stephen says, By faith, our father Abraham lived in tents in this land that you and I live in now. The promise was to his offspring. But he said, all right, it's worth it. 
I'm going to live in it. I'm going to dwell. I'm going to put up with whatever. I'm going to move the tent. I'm going to go. As a matter of fact, you can continue reading how Abraham continues to go. And in this place, when he settles there, God shows him, tells him, walk the land. And he goes. And what does he do again? Verse number 18. There by Hebron, he built an altar to the Lord. God, if this is where you said, this is where I live, this is where I worship, because I know what you promise is true. Activates your faith. Keeping your eyes on it, knowing it. It's one of the reasons I, I, I hammer it till I'm blue in the, faith. You, uh, in the face. You and I need to read the word of God. Because as we read the word of God, we learn the promises of God. And then we can stand on the promises of God and live in the promises of God. But you can't live in what you do not know. You can't live in what you don't know. I can't live in what I don't know. You know, all the older Dolphin fans talk about the glory days and the glory days. I don't know the Dolphins as champions. And I'm 43 years old. I hear the stories of, you know, my mom's like, oh, I remember in that 72 season, we would go to the airport and we would watch them come home from their road games and all these things. I was like, that's great. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. Hopefully they'll win again. No, just, sorry, sorry. I don't know it, but you know why I root for them? Because they lived it, and they told me. I'm going to segue here for a second. It is imperative that you and I testify of the goodness of God in our lives, because that's how the next generation gets to know him. The next generation knows who he is because of what we speak and because of what we choose to live in. Because what we experience and what we know. So Abram, going back to Abraham, he lives it, he knows it. And then what does it say? Because I said it's living and looking. It says that he looks toward. And you and I need to look toward the fulfillment of the promises of God. God, I don't see it, but I know it and I live in it and I look at it with the natural. I'm sorry, in the spiritual, not the natural. At the end of January, Pastor Patty preached a message called See. And she gave an example in that message of when you go watch a 3D movie and you sit there trying to watch the 3D movie and everything's blurry until you put on the 3D glasses. Can I tell you something? We need to understand that the natural is visible, but we need God's supernatural 3D glasses to see what he sees and that activates your faith. Stop looking at your child that's addicted to drugs. Look at them in spirit with hands lifted, raising high, lifting up to the, holy, to the holy of holies to God. Stop looking at the brokenness in your marriage and start speaking life over it and doing the things of what God sees and says. Stop looking at the brokenness in your child or in your finances or in your health and start believing that what God said is true and live there. Can I tell you something? Watch. Because the word of God is so powerful. Go to chapter 15. Chapter 15. Y'all okay that I read the Bible, right? We are in church. All right, good. After these things, by the way, what had just happened was Lot gets kidnapped with all his people and a whole bunch of people. 
And Abraham goes with a bunch of men that he had trained up who were soldiers, and they rescue Lot and all of the goods, and they bring it all back, and then he offers a tithe of all of the spoils to the high priest, to Melchizedek, which Hebrews then says, Melchizedek is after the order in which Jesus is high priest. So there's a lot of connection there, okay? You read the whole Bible, Genesis to, Re to Revelations, it all connects. So after this, God shows up in a vision to Abraham and says, fear not, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. Very great. Then look at Abraham's question. Because what did I tell you? What are the three things that we're talking about? You got to live in the God, promises of God. You got to know the promises of God. And you got to look toward the fulfillment of the promises of God, right? Abraham is there and he says this, Oh Lord God, what shall you give me? For I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Let me give you what's going on. God had given him the promise. He's living in it. He knows it, but he hasn't seen it. Years have passed. And you know how many kids he has? goose egg and what god's promise was going to be was like if you can count the dust you know what can you try to think of counting dust think about that for a second right you know like when the light hits just right in your house and you see the dust particles floating around you know what i'm talking about even if your house is perfectly clean there's little dust particles flying around just go like this and all the dust comes off your skin dead skin cells most of dust is dead skin cells by the way science fact I like science, sorry. He says to God, you promised and I'm living it, but I don't see it. He continues to say, I'm childless. My heir is, the house, is from the house of Eliezer of Damascus. Behold, you've given me no offspring. And a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Look what he just says. Now, he talked about the dust, right? Then he says, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. He said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted to him as righteousness. God tells to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And then Abraham says, but, O oh Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? How am I to know it? God says to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, a young pigeon, and he brought them all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against each other, but he did not cut the birds in half. Where did Abraham put this, by the way? In the altar he had built to the Lord, in the land he's living that he was promised to possess. Got it, right? You with me on that? And when the birds of prey came down on the carcass, 
Abram drove them away. Get this picture. Abram is living in the land that God has promised him. He's asking him now for confirmation. But how do I know? God says, prepare me this offering. He bros to the offering. He prepares the offering on the altar. And these birds of prey, right? Vultures and all kinds of different stuff. They want to come eat the animals that he's giving as an offering. Does Abram just sit there? He says, no. You ain't touching what I'm giving God. No, he's putting them all away. You and I, we need to do that. Those voices, those people in our lives that are trying to destroy and consume what you're giving God, what you're living for God, you push them out of the way. Because then God shows up to Abraham. And he says, verse 13, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they're going to be afflicted for 400 years. Watch this. Abram in obedience, living in the promised land, is told by God, your offspring are going to be sojourners in this land there for 400 years. Fast forward, remember where Moses let my people go in front of Pharaoh? They had been slaves for what? 400 years. God is telling Abram what's going to happen. He's warning him. But Abraham chooses to continue to live in faith in that land. And he says, I'm going to bring, verse 14, I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and after where they shall come out with a great possession. As for you, you shall go down to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation. Watch that. Verse 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, to your offspring, I give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kedomites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephraim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gershites, the Jebusites. God says to him, everywhere where you're living that I told you to go to, I will give to them. Continue to live the land. Know it and look towards the future. Can I tell you the boldest, most radical act of faith Abraham did? What was the promise here? Think about it for a second. They're going to come back in the fourth generation. Two chapters, three chapters later, Abraham's wife dies. And he goes to bury her. And you know what he does? He goes and he purchases a field, a cave, there by Mamre, by Hebron, to bury Sarah. Watch this. Look at this depth, guys. He buys land in the place that God promised to the fourth generation after him. He buys land and is buried there. But not just him. He's buried there. Isaac is buried there. Keep reading in Genesis 23 or 24. And then Jacob, when he goes in front of Joseph right before he dies, says, when I die, take me back to Canaan and bury me in the place that Abraham bought. He chose to live, dwell in the place that he knew that God promised, looking towards the future. Some translations don't they say looking towards, says waiting for the promise. Will you and I look with the eyes of faith 
activating our belief, knowing that what God said is true, and dwelling there. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter what the Fed says. It doesn't matter what the NASDAQ says. It doesn't matter what the S&P 500 says. It doesn't matter what the realtor says. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what the attorney says. It doesn't matter what anybody says. If what God says is true, I will live there. Let everybody else think I'm crazy. I'm sure everybody thought Abraham was crazy. Do you know that till this day, there's actually a place there where they know this is Hebron. By the way, Hebron is where then later on David even rules people. There is a, actually, it's a mosque that is put there right now because remember, Islam traces their faith to Abraham and so does Judaism. And both the Islamic uh, uh, Brotherhood and the Jews have claimed to this place of the cave that Abraham bought years and years before God made it a manifestation in reality. What's the activation of the faith? What is God telling you to do and live in, dwell in, and wait for it to become a reality? You may not see it in it. Worship team comes to the altar. You may not see it in the natural, but let's put on our 3D glasses. What does the word of God say? And when I look at what I'm facing through the lens of the word of God, you know what it says? You are the head and not the tail. You know what it says, you shall live and not die and declare the glories of the Lord. You know what it says, that I'm going to prosper you as your soul prospers. You know what it says, I'm going to provide for you. You know what it says, I have you in the palm of my hand. It says, you are the apple of the eye. It says that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. What does the promises of God say? And are we choosing to dwell in them? In them. This is what I believe, and this is why I believe it, and that stirs your faith to overflow. Yes, the world thinks we're crazy when we act in faith because they do not comprehend. Why don't they comprehend? Because their trust isn't in God. And your and my trust is in the Almighty, and when our trust is in Him, it stirs. So what is God telling you? Who's the lot that we've allowed to be next to us that we got to say, get to stepping? So that we can walk into the fulfillment of the promise. Because we chose to know it, live it, and we're looking toward the fulfillment of it. I gave this example earlier. I've talked about this before. When Patty and I put an offer on the house that we live in, we bought it 13 years ago, 12 years ago, I don't remember. Everyone in our family thought we were bananas. Like literally thought we were crazy. The house had mold. The house had holes in the ceiling. The house had plumbing. I mean, it had, you name it, it had it. But we walked in it and we didn't see the holes. We saw what we see now. And I remember looking at my wife and saying, we're putting this off. I was like, you know what? We, we can fix it up. We can move in. Then within five years, we can do this. And within five years after that, we can do this. And, and, and kind of like, plan, plan, this is what we can do. And we can do looking toward it. 
I've said the story. Our faith activator then, we, we, we put the offer, we drove to Lowe's and started buying stuff for the house that we had. The offer hadn't even been put in yet. We had just told the realtor to do it. Guys, whatever God is asking you to give, give. Whatever God is asking you to walk in, walk. Whatever God is asking you to build, build. Whatever God is asking you to obey, obey. And wherever God tells you to live and dwell, stand there. Be there. Live it. Looking and waiting for the fulfillment of the promise. And don't be so prideful and arrogant to say, but if the blessing's not coming to me now, why am I going to wait? Abraham could have said that. God told him four generations from now is when they'll come into this land. Isaac, Jacob, and then they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt. Abraham never saw it, but he believed it. Can I tell you something? Continue praying for your child. Continue praying for your grandchild. Continue praying for your miracle. Continue praying for what you don't even see because God will fulfill his word even if you don't see it because what he said and what he wrote will come to pass. We just have to know it, live in it, and look towards it. Come on, stand to your feet. Father, this morning I pray that our faith is stirred. Lord, to know what you say and to make the active choice to live in your promise. Lord, there's promises over our families and our children. Lord, there's promises of blessings upon the generation and the generation to the thousandth generation of those that love you. Father, should you tarry in your return unto the thousandth generation from me and my daughters and grandkids and grandkids, grand, 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 great, 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 grandkids are going to be walking in blessings because of the choices making today. And Father, like Abraham, we will choose to obey, live in that land, and look towards the promise. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want you to take a minute, talk to God, because God is stirring some of you right now. Because there's been a lack of obedience and he wants you to make it right. Because there's been a lack of pursuit and today he's saying just get right. Because we haven't started building like he said because we're not living where he said to. We're not dwelling in it. We're not waiting. We've, we've grown weary and tired. But today God is saying it's all good. We're making it fresh. So just right there where you are, talk to God. Talk to the Lord.